Hey, people. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, I want you to hear from God today. And I want you to get God's help today for whatever is going on in your life. So I'm just going to start with a blessing again. And I'm going I'm to bless you all. And I, I bless you all now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully during this time. I, I bless you in the name of Jesus that you would be healed in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, and in your spirit. I, I bless you to know the guidance and the help of God in your life, that you would flourish and prevail in whatever challenges you're experiencing right now, and that you would feel the love, the joy, the hope, and the peace that comes from God, whatever our circumstances, that you would feel that now. In the name of Jesus, may it be, may it be. Okay, welcome back to our study of the Bible land and biblical faith. Today we're going to talk about the city of cities, the holy city Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Without a doubt, the Bible makes it clear that Jerusalem is the most precious, the most important, the most eternally significant city of all time. And in fact, we, we read things throughout the Bible, like in the book of Psalms. We read that, the Bible, that Jerusalem is called the city of God. It's called the dwelling place of the Most High. In the book of Hebrews, referring to Jerusalem, they write, you have come to Mount Zion, Jerusalem. To the city of the living God. Nearly, when you get to basically the end of the Bible, maybe the last page or two, you, you read this about this new Jerusalem that will be coming. And, and, and we read in Revelation chapter 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, Prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. And he will live with them. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. And then you're going to hear verses after verses after verses describing the magnificence and the beauty of Jerusalem. And then we get down to verse 22. As we're continuing to read about this, this city, it says, I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb, Jesus, are its temple. The city does not need the sun or moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is Jesus. The Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Okay, so the magnificence and the significance of Jerusalem, it cannot be understated in the Bible. Like this is the city, it's God's city. It's the city of the Lamb. It's the city of Jesus. It's the most special and important city in the world and according to God's plans and purposes for it now and going into the eternity, into the future. It's the city of David. It's the city of all the kings in the lineage of Jesus. It's the city where, that God chose the, uh, of all the cities on earth to, to place his, his name. In fact, in 2 Chronicles 6, 6, it says... But I have chosen Jerusalem. This is God. I have chosen Jerusalem. I have chosen Jerusalem so that my name will be there. It's the city where Jesus was crucified. But God raised him from the dead. We'll talk about it next week. Spoiler alert on Easter Sunday. 
Uh, it's, the, it's the city of the birth of the church. Uh, on Pentecost Sunday, where the church was born. Jerusalem is not a perfect city at all. In fact, it has examples of the worst of the worst. You, you, you cannot be worse sometimes than Jerusalem has been. And yet it was chosen by God and special to Him. So I want to teach you a bit about Jerusalem. And although I have a thousand pictures I could share, and I'm not kidding, literally a thousand, more than a thousand pictures I could share, there are some things a lot more important today than seeing a lot of pictures, although we'll see a few. Uh, what I, I want you to see some things and understand some things when it comes to Jerusalem, how unique it is, how extraordinary it is, and I want to back way up, and I want to talk about Jerusalem be before it became the city of God. Before it became the eternal city, before it became the city of David, before David made it the city of kings. And I want to just ask this simple question, what was Jerusalem before David? What was Jerusalem before God chose it as the place that he was going to place his name? What was it? And the short answer is, Jerusalem was worthless. It was unwanted. It was unimportant. It was abandoned by God's people. It was insignificant. It was very flawed as a city. It was highly limited and it was mostly ignored. For hundreds of years, God's people lived in the land and pretty much ignored Jerusalem. It was that insignificant. So I want to talk about this. I want to teach you about this city before it became the great city of God. And, and, and I want to start by reminding you that the issue wasn't that they couldn't take Jerusalem. In Judges chapter 1, we read this. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem, captured it, put it to the sword, and set the city on fire. So you know from the beginning, during the conquest, Jerusalem was taken, it was captured. But, but the thing is, they didn't find Jerusalem worth keeping. They didn't find it worth, they, didn't, they decided it wasn't worth settling in. And so they abandoned it, and they let the Jebusites live there. The city was given to the tribe of Benjamin. They didn't want it. They found it worthless and insignificant. Why? Well, let me show you on a few maps. First, just the maps that we've been looking at, just so you get a context of where Jerusalem is. Notice it is in the, it's in Benjamin. It's in the land of Benjamin, at the very bottom of the land of Benjamin. And that's kind of where it is connected to, to the other maps. What I really want to show you, though, is this more high-res map from, from biblical backgrounds. And, and I, I want you to see where it's at. Okay, so Jerusalem is the red dot. It's, it's red. It's there. Uh, it's the red dot on the map. And basically, one of the reasons it wasn't con considered very important or valuable or, or worth inhabiting is because it's not naturally significant at all. It wasn't a great city and it wasn't in a great location. Remember, the yellow line is an important line. That's the patriarchal highway. That's the only north-south road. Now, Jerusalem, it's not on that road. In fact, this is just based on, I've walked it several times from where David's city was and the, that yellow road. It's about a 30-minute walk, 25, 30 minutes. There's no reason to go to Jerusalem. Like, it's, it's not just right on this. It, it, 30 minutes other north and south, you're going to get to much better places on the road. There's nothing past Jerusalem over there. It, it, it's just, it's not worth going 30 minutes off the road for, for, for Jerusalem. And, and I just cannot overstate how insignificant the location was. You've got 
we've talked about how the main roads are the money. The main roads have to do with moving armies around and, and all that sort of strategic. You, the yellow road is a big deal. The blue roads that are going side to side, that's a big deal, but they're not getting near Jerusalem. The blue roads are going across the Benjamin Plateau, which we talked about. That's the purple area that I've kind of made an outline. The purple, the Benjamin Plateau is the significant bit. That's where Samuel reigned for, as ruled this nation for a long, long time, decades and decades and decades, where King Saul ruled the decade, for 40 years from the Benjamin Plateau. That's the place where the kings ruled from. It's got the, the money, it's got the power, influence, and all that kind of stuff. Jerusalem is not there. It's not on that, 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 that plateau, and, and it was just insignificant. It was the wrong place. There was nothing really great about it. Because it was insignificant, it was really tiny. Right. Um, I'm going to just show you some pictures, just kind of progressions of the development, just really briefly, uh, some drawings here. But in David's day, you've got, you've got, first of all, you've got the city of David, and, and that's kind of just this, on this little, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, a pl plateau, pl peninsula, or it's just a little thing that sticks out there. It's got three, three sides of, of valleys around it, which is good, but it just kind of sits out there on, on this, it's not that big. And that's after David made it the capital city. His son Solomon on the other map, he made it bigger, and you can see it stretching out from the, from the red bit, bigger. But Jerusalem was highly limited by water. It could only grow up to 5,000 people. So even though Jerusalem, you know, in Solomon's day, it has this world renown, and people are coming from all directions to, it could only, it could only had a capacity of about 5,000 people. So it's not that big uh, of a place. Very limited. Now, after several hundred years... Uh, you finally get to King Hezekiah, and, and he's very brilliant and innovative, and there's an influx of people from the northern kingdom, which is being destroyed at that, during his reign, and it grows to 25,000. They deal with water and, and all that kind of stuff. You get to Herod the Great in Jesus' day, the other one. Uh, you can see where original David's Jerusalem is on, in the red there. Um, it's much bigger. It's one of the more magnificent cities in the world in Herod's time. Herod the Great, he gets rightfully a bad rap because he's trying to murder little baby Jesus and friends. Uh, and and that's, that's not a good thing. But he made Jerusalem spectacular. He made the temple spectacular. And, and it was a real uh, amazing city at that time. But we're not talking about the growth and development. I want to go back to old Jerusalem. Okay, the, 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 original, the original city. You can see on this picture where it sits in relation to uh, Jerusalem today. It's so insignificant. Modern Jerusalem, that, that you've got the old walls. I don't know if you can see them kind of snaking down. The city of David, original Jerusalem, isn't even in the old walls. It's just that small and insignificant. It, it doesn't, it's not, it, when they built the walls, they didn't think that little bit that stuck out was worth even putting walls around. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's, it's that small. Um, th then you've got, you've got lots of ex excavation work going on there in the city, and, and um, you know, it just every, every year they're, they're finding more and more, 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 and more stuff. Um, I could talk a lot about that, but it's not where I want to spend our focus today. I'm, I figure Jerusalem's going to come up in our talks throughout the years. So I've got, I've got I'll, I'll save a lot of that for later. But you've heard me say that Jerusalem is really insignificant. The Benjamites didn't even find it worth keeping, but David made it the capital of the nation. Why? Why? Especially when his first capital city, Hebron, was better in every way, times ten in every way. Hebron is a magnificent city. A magnificent city. It, Hebron, vastly, vastly better. 
Why? Well, I'll, let me, let's go back to that high-res map here. David realized that Hebron was too far south. Too far south, it could not be accepted as a capital city for the nation. And, and then he also realized that for the last hundred years or so, that plateau, the purple bit, the plateau is where leadership needs to come from for the, to, to be at the center of the nation there, center-ish. Um, it's where, you know, Samuel led from. It's where King Saul led from. It's also where Ishbosheth led from. Civil war, bad, bad story, but it, it's all part of it. It's all being led from there. But David can't go as a person from Judah onto the plateau and say, okay, this is my city where it's now going to be the royal city. That would start another civil war. It's Benjamin's cities. He's Judah. He can't go in and say, this is now my city, the capital city. And so, uh, so he, he takes Jerusalem, this place that was neglected, that was abandoned, that was, didn't even, wasn't even in, inhabited by, by Israel, and he, he recaptures it and he brings it back into being one of the nation's cities. It was a Jebusite city. The only thing that Jerusalem had going for it, the only positive thing that Jerusalem had going for it, it was available. That's it. It was available. It was available. That's it. Now, the thing that everybody says about Jerusalem is they say, well, it was a mighty fortress city. And, and, and it was hard to capture and all, all that kind of stuff. Okay, yes, the best thing that Jerusalem had going for it, technically speaking, was it was a nice fortress location. But, but if that was the best thing going for it, it was also severely flawed as a fortress city laughably flawed by the other nations it has three major flaws so you, you've got this little bit that sticks out right and what you want is when the, when the enemy attacks well you don't want the enemy to attack but let's just say the enemy does attack you want the enemy to have to attack the one the one side that's that's exposed you want to to attack uphill to the city that's how the other capitals are jerusalem you're attacking downhill not great uh, not ideal also, as far as capital cities go, it's surrounded by hills that are higher than it. You, you, ideally, you'd have a capital city that can look out over the land. Terrible views in, in, in Jerusalem. Uh, you, you just can't see very far. The bigger hills everywhere. You can't tell if, if there's friends on the way. You can't tell if there's, there's um, allies coming to your rescue. You just can't see anything. Terrible views surrounded by cities. Not only that, the cities that are, the, the, the mountains that are surrounding it, the hills that are surrounding it, um, are too close. So you can shoot arrows from the higher hills around into Jerusalem. Not great. You can launch things into Jerusalem. Not only that, you can just be up there on the higher vantage point looking over the walls and see how they're doing. Oh, their, their army is going over here. They're defending. Like you can just see. It, it, it's, it's this horrible disadvantage. The other cities, uh, the other capital cities like on the east side of the Jordan, all superior, all better in, in all these ways. If that is the best that Jerusalem had, it's laughable. It's laughable. It's, it, was, it was so flawed in that way. Naturally speaking, Jerusalem isn't that great of a city at all. It was unwanted by Benjamin. It was unimportant. It was abandoned by Benjamin. It was insignificant. It was majorly flawed. It was highly limited because of water. It was rather worthless, naturally speaking. But all that changed because of this. It was available and God chose it. It was available, and God 
chose it. He chose it to be the place where he was going to place his name and his whole reputation. Jerusalem was, worth, was worthless, but because God chose it, it became priceless. Jerusalem was unwanted, but because it was chosen by God, it was most precious. Jerusalem was abandoned, but because it was chosen by God, it became most important. Jer Jerusalem was highly flawed, but because it was chosen by God, it didn't matter how flawed it was. It was chosen by God. Jerusalem, because it was chosen by God, becomes the city of the great king, the city of God, the center point in history, the place where God's presence dwelt. It was the, it's the future center of God's rule and reign throughout the new heavens and the new earth. Friends, I don't know your story, and I don't know how you feel about you and, and, and how God's made you and the, the strengths and advantages of your, your situation and your, your realities. Maybe you've been made to feel worthless by people. Maybe you, maybe you have been made to feel unimportant, or in your own eyes, you don't feel very important. Maybe you've been made to feel unwanted, unwanted or, or highly flawed. Maybe you view yourself as so highly flawed. Maybe you felt abandoned, insignificant. Maybe you look at yourself and you can't see anything naturally all that great about you. And even the best bits seem highly flawed. Maybe also like Jerusalem, you have rejected Jesus in the past. And you've been evil towards God. If anything like that is, is, is part of your story, I've got fantastic news for you. Jerusalem. Jer Jerusalem. If you make yourself available to God, that changes everything. If you make yourself available to God and are willing, God chooses the unwanted. God chooses the flawed. God chooses the mistake makers. And he makes them precious in his eyes. He makes them precious and, and dearly loved, the precious people of God. When David became king, he brings the Ark of the Covenant. He brings the, this, this thing that, that contains the, this unique presence of God into the city of Jerusalem. And everything is changed Today, God is looking at you, and the question is, are you available? Are you available? Are you willing to let the king come into your life? Are you willing to let his presence come into your life? Jesus, to be the king of your life, God's presence to come in and take. Now, I'm not just saying, uh, I don't believe in God, and I'm going to become a Christian, and God's presence is going to come into my life. Some people have given their lives to Jesus, but they haven't been living their life given to Jesus these days. They've made, they were available, and then they became unavailable, because now they've got other things going on. Okay? Some people, some people are doing that. It's time to be like, am I today available to God? And his kingship and his rule and his reigns. Many times in the New Testament it's declared that we, God's people, are chosen by God and dearly loved. No matter what our background is, no matter what our issues, no matter what our flaws, we have priceless value because Jesus has purchased us by his own blood. Once you are unworthy, but then the spirit of God moves into the life of the believers and changes everything. Months we were unworthy, now we are most loved. Whatever our limits. When God chooses you and he places his spirit in you, uh, it, it, the flaws just don't matter anymore. 
the value has gone through the roof, just like Jerusalem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we read this. Paul writes this. He says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. No insult intended. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. You know, there's a lot. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world. What is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. God chooses you. And, 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 that, and that changes everything. Whatever we were, however we perceive ourselves to be based on whatever limitations is natural, being chosen by God and receiving His Spirit changes everything. The challenge for today is this. I want you to list three old thoughts that hang over your heart. Like, I'm not important. I'm unwanted. I'm unlovable. Like, think, whatever they might be, those, those old things, maybe, and, uh, you know, rejected and blah, blah, blah. And I want you to scratch them. I want you to write them down, and then I want you to scratch them out. And then I want you to write down what is true. What is true according to the Bible, what is true according to the, the Word of God, what is true about how God values you, which is far more important than anything else. Whatever was true about Jerusalem's transformation from what it was to what it will be, how much more is that true for you? Are you available? Are you available? Are you saying, Jesus, you are to be the king in, in my life? Now, normally, I would end here. But I had a dream this week that I think you need to hear. And I, in this dream, I was in this beautiful mansion, and many of you were with me in this mansion. But the, the, it was the enemy's mansion, uh, the, the enemy's mansion, and, and he had this huge mansion. And what, what we were doing in the enemy's mansion was, is he had stolen all these precious gems and jewels. And, and he, he had them hidden in his mansion, and we were spread out in this mansion, searching everywhere, high and low, every drawer, every, looking for what the enemy had stolen, what, what it, what these precious jewels and gems. And we were hunting for them, and finally, we found them. We found them in a drawer, and we brought them out, and we looked at them, and we, were, we marveled, like, millions and millions. The, the, the value of, of these gems and jewels were just beyond imagining. We couldn't even process how much value was, 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 we were looking at with all these gems, all these jewels, all these things. And we took them and we, we got them out of the mansion and we got away in a Nissan. We got in a truck. We, we all piled in and we drove off. And, and, and we got it. We got, we got out of there. And, and, I, and I believe it, it has to do with this kind of this message, but I think it also has to do with our, our current mandate. You see, in the, in the season, this last season, year, maybe years for some people, the enemy has captured precious ones. And we are to go after those precious ones that he's taken. Some, some, sometimes, and I'm not just talking about people who don't believe in Jesus and we need to go seek and save and find and, and bring them back, but there are some of God's precious ones have been, have been captured by the enemy are stuck in darkness who are just stuck in discouragement, who, whose faith has dropped through the floor, who, who, have, who have, a, a, 
a, a wrong self-view of themselves who are depressed and discouraged and feeling hopeless. And the enemy just has them captured in darkness. And yet I think that now is the time where we as a people go after those people. And we, we raid the enemy's place and we go find these precious ones and get them back. Maybe you're one of those who is a precious one who has been stuck in darkness. I'm here to proclaim to you, it is time to be released. You're released in Jesus' name. You, you, are, you, are, you are free from that darkness. The, the commission of, of this church and the commission of, of God's people here is to see you free. If you need help, we are here. We will pray for you and, and, and be about setting you free. But you are to be free now. It is a day of freedom for, for you and a time of freedom. If you, um, if you are, are able and you're not in darkness... There is your mission. The precious ones are out there, and maybe they're people that you know. Maybe they're people who, uh, who are believe in Jesus. Maybe not, but it is time to go gather those precious ones and get them out of the darkness. And get them out of the enemy's domain. And in fact, I'm going to pray that, that for us, and I'm going to pray that for all of you. If you close your eyes with me. Um, first of all, your, your posture before God, I, su I suggest being here and just being like, God, I'm available. I'm available. Maybe I haven't been available, but now on this day I choose to be available again to be, to do what you want me to do. Jesus, I'm going to move away from what is, what was the past and I'm going to choose to walk into what is my future. I'm going to believe what you say about me, that I am precious, that I am dearly loved, that I am chosen, that my, my destiny is far better than even that as described in the, as the New Jerusalem. Maybe you need to rededicate your life today or give your life to Jesus for the first time, and I suggest praying something like this, God, here I am. I give my life to you. I'm available and I, I willingly give my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your presence. Make me new. Let me be now who you say I am. I believe. And I give my life to you. Forgive me and set me free. Jesus, uh, bring freedom from all the prisoners. Set the prisoners free in Jesus' name. Amen.